Today's guest is Shani Norder. Shani is a multi-sport professional athlete known for her tenacious defence in netball and fearless performances on the AFLW footy field. In her illustrious sporting career, Shani reached the pinnacle of the netball world, earning recognition as one of the best in the modern era. When she was at the peak of her netball career in 2018, she made the bold move to transition to AFLW, joining the Collingwood Football Club. Her determination and work ethic, combined with her vibrant personality, have not only fueled her success in sport, but have helped her build a thriving media profile. Shani's sought-after commentator providing insights on Channel 9, Sky Sport and Fox Sports. And beyond her sporting prowess, Shani is deeply committed to various ambassadorial roles and her interests span from grassroots and elite sports, mental health and well-being, animal welfare, through to environmental conservation. Shani's remarkable journey is a testament to her resilience in the face of injuries and setbacks. In this episode, we delve into her unique journey as a dual sport athlete, her experiences with adversity, advocacy for mental health, and the vital role that self-belief and self-management play in her success. She's also one of the only people that I will ever let call me Steph Premi. Come have a laugh with us in this episode. Hello and welcome. My name is Steph Prem and I'm your host for Mindful Mess, a podcast where we speak with some of Australia's favourite sporting, health and business personalities about how they find balance in today's world. Mindful Mess is proudly sponsored by Medibank. You're only human and what an incredible human you are. Shani, welcome to Mindful Mess. Oh, Premi, when I got your email, I just thought, mindful mess. Like, that's just me in a nutshell. I love the mess. <laughs> you and I love discussing the mess. Yes. Well, and everything about the mess, because as we discussed a little bit earlier around how the mess can actually be quite pedantic as well in what we like. Like, think people just think that we're messy in all forms of life, but we're actually not. We're quite anal and you know, dotting the I's and crossing the T's, but mess comes in other forms. Absolutely. Especially when you might be a bit of a high achiever or someone like that likes to get the best out of a situation. <laughs> My gosh. And actually, I'm interested in this from you, but that was one of the toughest things about retiring. And it's not about not playing anymore. Like, sure, I miss my mates and all the rest of it. But it's just about I have to hold myself to account in everything in my everyday life. And I'm finding it I need more challenges now that I've retired. Yes. You, it's a, I think it's, I mean, I'm old and retired these days. Um, I've, <laughs> I, Give it up. Hung up, the, hung up the, uh, the boots a while ago. But I remember those first few years and you're constantly seeking. It was, mm. a, and it's really hard to turn the volume down, like at, on the drive and the energy and the needing and yeah. the wanting and the seeking and the, because you're so used to being on and I think yes. you're so used to being scheduled. You get up at this time and you train at this time and then you've got this or then you've got your physio appointment, then you've got your medicals and then you're back at training and then you've got recovery and then or then you've got an I event know. and then you're on and right. then you taper off. And then, <laughs> so everything's so planned out. And then all of a sudden and you retire and you're like, so... What do I do here? What do, what do I do? And for everyone listening at home, if you haven't been a professional athlete in your past life, exactly, I was laughing at Premi because that is exactly what your brain does and what your life is. And I love how you said you have to quieten it down because you do, because 
those thoughts don't go away. They're still there, but it's just about, you know, this is where the mindfulness comes in about not listening to them or giving the attention that they're demanding from you all the time, right? Beautifully said. Yes. Mm. That's why I think I've had to refer to it as volume. <laughs> like I'm just, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I mean, let's circle back because I definitely want to, I'd love to deep dive on the internal dialogue because that is a, that's a massive <laughs> one. And I think especially for mm. athletes, I mean, you and I have always shared our love of sport and I, yes. I've loved working with you in the past. We worked together last year for Mental Health Week. And I really just thought that your attitude and your honest approach to say like mental health, well-being, it was just so, it was refreshing and it was very inspired. And I just think that's why, well, A, that's why I had to have you (laughs) on the podcast, but we had to continue that conversation because it's such an important one. And I mean, for those of you who don't know, I mean, you have achieved something that only a small handful of people can achieve in their lifetime. You've reached the pinnacle of sport, but not just in one sport. (laughs) in two sports, which is is mental. I mean, I did one sport for, you know, a big part of my career and I'm still exhausted. I don't know how you did two. It's, um, yeah, well, it's so interesting, isn't it? Because for me, I'm always wanting challenges and Mm. like I'd kind of, I'd had that end of of one sport and then going into the, the next, which was football, it was all about challenging that inner dialogue and not being a perfectionist anymore because yes. when I was a netballer and I was a netballer for 15 years at the professional level and that mindset drove me to depression, you know, because I was wow. so narrow-minded around what life involved because of the structure that you have to stick to and who I thought that I was. But that's not who I really am. I was just someone who was wanting to achieve gold medals and go to the, you know, not the Olympics, we were in the Com Games, but go to a World Cup and was I getting recognised and was I pushing women's sport? And and when you unravel all of that after taking a bit of time off and getting some therapeutic help and counselling and I love my psychologist and my psychiatrist and the yes. whole shebang, yes. <laughs> they are, they're my people. The inner circle. Um, yeah, <laughs> my best mates that I call on a daily basis. But then, you know, I was able to dive in and figure out who is Shani and what does Shani want, not as an athlete but as a person. And football really gave that to me, funnily enough, because I still had wow. the challenge of sport, which I enjoyed, but that challenge of being open, it was a lot more of a, a bit more of a wild environment compared to netball. We've all got pretty wild personalities, which I do, very loud, outspoken, um, <laughs> give each other crap, very sarcastic. It's not you um, at all. I know. <laughs> so people either love me or hate me and, and that's okay because that's how I am, whereas at one point in time I wanted everyone to like me and that, that wasn't healthy for me. Unfortunately, it might be good for all the other people around you, but it's never good for the individual. Yes, and totally it, right. I think the expectation and the pressure that you have to manage being an elite athlete is quite unsustainable, um, to say the least. Yeah. Tell us some of the pressures and struggles that you you had to deal with. I mean, you've obviously just touched on it, but you had to manage a very long-standing career in both sports. Well, I think when we talk about women's sport, I got picked up in 2004, and I think that's when I first met you at the Victorian Institute of Sport yes, back in the day. Yes, it was. Um, How yes, old would you have and- been in 2004? I was 16 years old. So, so young. So young. Mm. And, you know, and impressionable. Limit. 
<laughs> very impressionable. But also you get put into a Melbourne team with adults and you're expected to know how to be an adult. And you don't want to tell people that you're not an adult because, or that you have questions because you don't want to seem like you're out of place and you're not brave enough to do so because you're still unsure what the whole world holds for you. So, you know, I think that's when almost a few of my anxieties first started coming up because I felt like I had to know everything, but I didn't. And that actually came out as anxiety attacks. Mm -hmm. So I started off Aussie 21's camps having, you know, hyperventilating and not really sure. And I was like, I've got asthma for sure. So they sent me off for asthma tests and they came back and the physio sat me down and said, Shans, you don't actually have asthma you know, you've got anxiety because, well, Mm. there was nothing wrong with my asthma test, so clearly it was in my head. And that's when I really started to learn about that side of it. And so that's, you know, in regards to the pressure that you put on yourself. Um, And then as I started getting older, say 19, 20, 21, and I saw all these footballers in AFL because I'm from Victoria, but similarly NRL in um, New South Wales and Queensland, going, how come they get to do their job all year round or all the day, you know, they, they rock up to the club when I'm leaving to go to school or work. And then as I'm coming back for the afternoon, they're heading home to cook dinner and spend time with their loved ones and family. And mm. I just thought, God, like, I want to do that. It was nothing about why, do, you know, why don't I have it? But it was more like, how do I get that? And so from that moment on of the age of about 20, I thought I have to make netball more visible in the public eye because that's the only way that I will get paid as a full-time athlete. So, you know, I was going to every event possible. I was networking as much as I could. And people say, what's your job, Shans? I was like, I'm a full-time networker. Because <laughs> um, you know, if I get people to netball games, then I get paid more. So, Smart um, girl. Yeah. And then, you know, this is back in 2007, 2008 maybe now. And going on radio, but all these things I was doing, I was doing for free. And I was being a people pleaser because I wanted people to like netball. So whilst I still had my personality, you know, I think I was a bit more covered in what I was saying and probably not as honest as what I am in this day and age. So that then that kind of put the pressure on, on top of then working full time once I left university and training and then within that, you kind of lose who you are. Well, that's exerting so much energy as well not actually into your sport, which was your full-time yeah. job. And, you, you know, you're not just selling yourself as an athlete, you're selling the sport <laughs> as a whole. Yes. And that's a lot of weight to wear on your shoulders at a very young yeah. age to yeah. try and put all of your energy and attention into netball, but really actually all your atten- attention and energy is going elsewhere. Oh, without a doubt. And then, you know, I think partly because of that, but partly because of my confidence issues that I was talking about earlier. Mm. So I got picked up at 16, sat on the bench for six years and didn't actually start playing until I was 22 years old um, in Adelaide. So I had to move Melbourne, Canberra, Melbourne, Canberra, Adelaide. Huge amount of disruption. Huge amount of disruption from, you know, the core group of people that you kind of seek solitude in, you would say. Of course. Because every time you'd move, you'd lose that close group of friends, your family wouldn't be there. But then because of that, I, you know, wasn't in the starting seven. So then it was like, well, I still need to give up more time to be better, you know. So I had to change my diet and book in extra weight sessions and, you know, so that fight to be, okay, I've been doing this for six years and I'm still not good enough, that then tells a story in your own mind that you're not good enough. And you're always fighting that. And I found even once I became, you know, once I made the Australian team and 
won a World Cup and at Ecom Games, that notion of you're not good enough never really went away, which was a part of that depression that came later on as well. Wow. So you put all that work in and then you get the results that you've actually been fighting for the whole time mm. and then you can't enjoy it. Yeah, it was super bizarre. And people say, you know, when I took time off in, so it was 2017 that I'd announced that I was taking time off for mental mm. health. It took me a while to get the full story out because I couldn't figure it out myself at the time. Um, and nor should you have so, to, but you've put yourself in yes. the public spotlight and then people expect a response. An answer. And an answer. Yeah, and well, where is she really going? difficult <laughs> because you would have thought back then, you wouldn't have had the hindsight that you were going to go into football back then. You know, you, there was no future in place for you then. So it's very hard to give people an answer as to what you're doing and how you're feeling when you you really don't know yourself. Oh, without a doubt. And I thought to myself, okay, I've been diagnosed with severe depression. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got the Commonwealth, this is 2017. I've got the Commonwealth Games coming in, in 2018. So I just need to be better for the Commonwealth Games. Oh. That was my mindset. So it wasn't about getting better to be a healthy human. It was, I just need to get back for netball, which was obviously part of the issue at the time. So what I thought would take two months actually took me six months of probably four to nearly five months of being bedridden. Like I could barely leave the bedroom. Yeah. And then like, I was just so fuzzy and foggy because I, I was probably carrying the depression for about two years, I would say, without realizing that I just thought being an adult was boring. I thought I just lost my personality. And then once I went to a psychiatrist and he told me what the symptoms are around your brain being foggy, not firing, having social anxiety, because if someone's talking to you and, you know, those neurons aren't firing, you can't come up with an answer and you're like, God, I used to be so talkative. What's wrong with me? You know, and that, you know, fulfills that, you know, self-devastating cycle. So once I found out, I was like, oh God, I've, I've been struggling for a while. I just didn't realize. And that's why I'm so open in sharing because I hope that other people can pick up on these symptoms a bit earlier. So then from there, yeah, I was just a mess and I just couldn't get better because I think all that build up just lasted so much longer. And then I ended up missing out on the Commonwealth Games, which absolutely broke my heart, but I understood why because I hadn't played netball for the last six months. Mm. And then that really made me reevaluate why am I pushing myself so hard and almost like, excuse the terms, but almost killing myself for my sport, really. You shouldn't have to excuse yourself. And it it was, you were giving yourself over. Yeah. So from that moment on, I was kind of like, I need to take my power back and how do I do that? And I found um, netball wasn't the place or space for me and I had lost my power completely in that space for a number of different reasons. And every time I would get to training because I was playing with Collingwood at the time and the football girls were there, they were just having so much fun Mm. and I just thought I'd go in and I'd joke with them and I didn't have to try and they just brought out the best in me without trying and, yeah, and I just thought no matter the cost, I need to spend more time with these people and I ended up swapping over to AFLW. That was the transition. Mm, that was the transition. So I was actually walking past the AFLW coach's office one day and I was like, gave a knock on the door and I just said, g'day, Wayne, because I knew that I'd had enough of Neville at the time. Yes. And I just said, mate, like, would you consider taking on a new ruck? Like, I'm six foot two. None of your girls are that tall. Like, <laughs> give us a crack, would you? And you hadn't fully lost your of... power, girl. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I found my power in a different light. You did. Um, 
And I get that from my dad, actually. It's funny when you think about, you know, and I think as well when I was growing up and when I was sitting on the bench for six years, I was always trying to find a way. So even when everything goes to shit, I can still go, all right, what else is there? You know, what else can I do? Like I'm never. Amazing reframe. We lost. And he just said, yeah, we'd love to have you. And then we just had to coordinate how we're going to work that around. So I retired from netball. I had two weeks to go and then played my last game as a netballer and then I think I had two weeks off and then I had to announce that I was playing football because the season was starting a couple of weeks later. So That's it was a pretty full-on transition. Yes. massive transition. I had no idea it was so quick. Yeah, but it also explains why I was so shit in the first season. <laughs> <laughs> came in hot. <laughs> I came in hot. In my first game, I knocked out a teammate with my elbow. <laughs> And she was the only one to have kicked a goal for us that day. Oh, that is amazing. Please send the footage after this. Oh my God. So embarrassing. But I I just find that so amazing that in a moment of, as you put it, despair for yourself, where you thought you were somewhat powerless, you still mentally had the courage to go knock on someone's door. And isn't that amazing that in such a moment like that, where you could turn around and be like, hang on couldn't I just shift careers? Like, I'm a talented yeah. enough athlete <laughs> to know that I could probably do this. How about it? And that takes yeah. so much courage and you really have to back yourself as well, yeah. even though you're still saying you it came from this moment of, of hardship. It's incredible that you were able to turn your life around so quickly. Yeah. Isn't it crazy though how often it is when we hit rock bottom that we make those hard calls, like exactly. whatever it is that's in us that triggers it. But also um, because, like, I ended up playing with, like, maybe six different netball teams because, uh-huh. like, I couldn't play and then I had to go somewhere else and I had to go somewhere else. And so I think that ability to start looking wasn't so easy at the start. So, you know, for anyone listening, if that's your first time changing, I'm so used to change. I know it's not scary anymore. It's almost, yeah, I've made some bad choices, but more good than bad. And something has always come from change, but nothing has ever come from staying in the same place or space, I feel. Beautifully said. What would you say the biggest lesson that you've learned in sport has been or something that's that's transitioned its way into your life now? Look, sport, for so many reasons, teaches you so many lessons. Um, <laughs> but this one, which is so beautiful for me, is so So I had my 15-year netball career and then had a three-year AFLW career. Incredible. And oh, I took a massive pay cut playing AFLW because it was still, <laughs> you know, not really on the pay wagon when I was playing. But I knew that you know, my happiness was worth more than cashola. And through that time, I got a job at a school here in Melbourne. And I'm the head of Methodist Ladies College, which is a school down here. And for me, having an influence on over 300 women that are growing up in this school, and, you know, on Saturdays, I'm back at Burundara Netball Association, which isn't the exact association that I grew up playing in, but very similar atmosphere. And I just thought, gosh, we just forget what life's all about when you make it professional. Mm. Like for me, you know, I don't care if my girls win or lose. Like I just want them to have a bloody good time and I just want everyone playing and I just want them to make friends and I just, you know, I want to get rid of that bullying culture and I just being able to be there in that space is like this community, this is what life's about. And, you know, I lost sight of that when I was playing in 
netball and I started to gain that sight back when I was playing AFLW. But, yeah, I think that notion of just what is life really about when we're stressed at work, when we're stressed about life decisions, what do I love most now? Probably my three cats, my dog and my husband, like, you know, and we can go out for dinner or we can stay at home and I don't really care. Like I've just got, you know, I've got what I need in life. So, um, and perhaps on top of that is the attitude that I've learned on how to deal with that and how to have really honest conversations. I find people in life really struggle. So face-to-face, being honest, people hate it, right? And I just think confronting. It's confronting, mm. but it's the kindest thing you can do. do. Oh, my God. Said. If you are talking behind someone's back or you don't know what to say or if you don't say it and then they find out another way, like imagine if you're that person, it's horrible. You would always rather someone just said that to you. So I've always gone by. I would rather say it and get in trouble than not say it at all. And, yes, that has got me in hot water <laughs> <laughs> over the years. You'd rather be um, in hot water, though. Oh, yeah. Like I'm going to a spa. I'm not Wim Hof. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, we've done the the cold therapy stuff. Yeah. No. I know, totally. So for me, yeah, just being able to have those conversations. Coming back to the grassroots of sport, but also coming back to those like fundamental small things in life, which are really the most important things. Like yes, you said, friends, family, fun. enjoying yourself, quality of life, your cats, whatever it may be. Yes. It's like they're the things that you need to come back to every day. And, I mean, that comes back to our opening conversation today, like you were saying, and I think it, you were saying, you know, that that, co- that constant search in retirement, like we're looking, I think, you know, as athletes we're we're quite conditioned for the adrenaline and the dopamine and the constant, like, excitement so it really is, I think, about reteaching ourselves to find the beauty or the the joy in those smaller moments, in those day-to-day mm-hmm. things that we probably couldn't enjoy when we were young because we a lot of our childhood was removed from us because we were doing sport at a very young age. Yeah. So I think yeah. coming back and finding that now and there's an element of you and I are very similar personalities of finding some presence. That can be tricky yes. to do. I know. It always is, but I think, um, yeah, it's just about how do you find, I don't know, sometimes you just look past those things and it is hard to concentrate on them to know how much their joy they bring to you. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think you're right because they were taken away from us at a young age and we didn't get to experience those things. I feel I'm a bigger child than the kids I teach. I'm, you know, 35 going on that. 15 and they're 15 going on 35. So <laughs> um, I, I, think you have yes. a, I think you have this childlike energy. I, I wouldn't say you're like a child, but you have oh. this, <laughs> this joy and this, like, yes. infectious you know, childlike energy, which is what would just, yes. you know, not just the young girls, but every, is that what I think that's what draws people in. Yeah. And, yeah. And hopefully and just having fun, enjoying, enjoying life. Yourself, right? Mm, I'm, yeah. I, I'm really interested to know because I think assumption that athletes are naturally motivated and just hearing everything that you've just spoken about, what you've been through, how you've got to where you are now, I'd love to know you know, what role does motivation play in your life or has it played? Oh, my God, it's such a good question because I have zero motivation, right? 
So I've started running again this week. I've got to do a 20K for, I'm still part of the Collingwood Football Club. So um, we're doing a 20K in June. Of course <laughs> I am. I'm, a, I'm the first first female member of the Past Players Board. Congratulations. So, which is cool. It's amazing. Thank you. That's insane. It's exciting that it's moving in that direction, which is great. Um, it is. It's and, wonderful. Yes, absolutely. And so for that, yeah, we're doing a 20K relay. So I started running again yesterday. It's the first time I've run in a year and a half because I actually struggled you know, I always trained because I had to. Like mm. I either had to go to training, go do weights, go do running, go do whatever it is. And then when I got to it's the in center, the diary, you have, just turn up. It's, it's in, in the, the diary, schedule. just turn up. You don't think about it. Yeah. And then when you go, I don't have to do it anymore, I just did it. <laughs> so I don't. So I yes, don't do it. So I don't do it. But most athletes that I've come across keep up their training regime. So I was like, What's wrong with me? Like, am I, why don't I want to run or why? But I just want to be kind and mushy to myself. Like I used to just push myself so hard and mm. I've got horses, so I do horse riding and I walk the dog. But then I, funnily enough, so I caught up with Nathan Buckley last year because I did this tweet and I was like, how do retired athletes train post-retirement? And Nathan, like we went for a walk and he goes, Shans, it's just about moving, taking your dog for a walk. Like you don't have to go for a run. You don't have to lift weights. And I was like, whoa, man. Mind blown. Mind blown. Because you've never been given um, the choice. I've never been given the choice. And I've just never seen that as exercise because I've always had an active lifestyle. Yes. But I didn't know it was exercise. And then I was like, well, I ride my horses three to four times a week. You know, you've got to carry their food and all the gear and yes. I've got to walk my dog at least once a day. And he's like, well, that's enough. That all counts. Like, Whoa. Like it was just so funny for me. I was just, and that's really helped Such me an since. And now mm. I'm okay to go for a run because I'm not putting the pressure on myself to have to do it anymore. I love that. It's coming yeah. from a place of almost freedom because it's on your terms now. It's not on someone yeah. else's terms. So you can enjoy yourself and it it's not big. And you're not training for an event. It's so different when you remove, I think, yeah. I, I mean, in, in my case, same thing. I was always working towards something. So it's like you had to put in the hours and you had to put in the days and you were leading up to something and then you remove that, that something or that event or whatever it is yes. you're working towards. And you're like, so why am I doing this? Mm. Oh, oh, I, I had a similar Revelation when I found Pilates. It was like, yes. was like you can not sweat and you can do oh, effective <laughs> exercise yes. without killing yourself. I was like, yes. was, you know, and I, I discovered that through injury because I just couldn't get better, but it's because I was throttling myself because it's all I knew. Yeah. And I'd never done any different. So the oh idea of pulling back and doing less just made no sense to me. And yeah. then all Bonkers. of a sudden I started getting better. And it, same as you, it was because I was walking and taking time and doing more corrective exercise and not throttling myself and not sweating 17 times a day and training 40 hours a week. It just, totally. and I just, we've never, we've never grown up like that. So you yeah. don't know the difference. Yeah. And that's like, the definition of mindful mess, right? That right. Just all, you've always got so much mess in your head, <laughs> but what do you actually listen to and what is good for you and what is not and how do mm. we separate that? Mm. And, you know, and I couldn't have done it without therapists, to be honest with you. I feel like I've learned so much in helping 
people helping me. And I find, you know, sometimes it's talk therapy and I can find my own way through like, hang on, let me think about, you know, should I go for a really hard run or should I do some yoga or Pilates? And then I go, oh, well, now that I'm saying that out loud, that makes sense. I should just go do some (laughs) yoga or Pilates. But for some reason, when you say shit in your head, it doesn't sound that good. (laughs) And sometimes your head gives you too many options. So way too many, you know, you have to shortlist. If you, if you had to pick, if you had to pick motivation or mindfulness, if you could only have one, which one would it be? Oh, well, I think mindfulness because you can be mindful in every moment. And like I said, I, you know, I played for Australia unmotivated. So there you go. There you go. Well, and I guess everyone's got their different motivations for whatever's going to drive you. But if you're mindful, then you'll figure out what that is. And when you can drop into yourself, even when all that mess is carrying on. And, you know, I actually, I thought, you know, my career's over, so I'll go work at a school and that'll be it. But I've actually been busier the last two years than I have been as an athlete. And I just mm-hmm. wasn't anticipating that. And so I've really had to check in and go, all right, is this good for me? Is it not? Because yes. also as an ex-female athlete, you go, I need to take every opportunity because another one might not arise. And you, you become mm-hmm. a yes woman. Yes, 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 the yes. scarcity yes. But- drives you instead of, and the fear instead of the... Yeah. Instead of thinking, is this good for me? You know, is this heading towards my goals? Like, and, you know, rather than, yeah, so actually, does this serve me? Okay. Mm. Yes, I will do that. And if not, then no, no, thank you. So I've really had to learn how to tap into that the past two years, which has been a big change for me. And I'm still not great at it. I'm still an overdoer for sure. I think this is the thing though. And I think we are so driven to want to be good at everything. And that oh. might be part of the problem. Even right? mindfulness. It's, I need to be great at mindfulness. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, I'm very similar to you and I can relate. So, and I've worked with some, you know, wonderful coaches myself and they're always like, just a friendly reminder, Steph, it's a practice. Yeah. <laughs> it's a practice. But no. But you're it's like, but right how now. can I win? Can I win this yeah. practice? So who wins? <laughs> and, you know, that comes oh, back to man. that internal dialogue that drives you and can be an overdriver and an overstimulator too. Mm. So I think that's where mindfulness plays such a big role and I think you said it so beautifully. When you can take a moment, you can drop in and reassess. So I actually think you are doing an amazing job of it because it's the awareness, oh, thanks, I think, man. first and foremost sometimes yes. that is is actually doing the magic. I'm not a believer in motivation really. I think it is fleeting and unreliable, whereas I yes. think I've learnt also motivation, exactly what you said, is something you can tap into at any moment. It is always available to you where motivation is not. <laughs> Like you said, yeah, you've made it through entire seasons without it. it. Can you? you? Can't. Sometimes yeah. it ain't just going to turn up and knock on your door. Unfortunately, like yeah, I'm here today. I'm fish. I'm not here tomorrow. So it's yeah. like it's finding those, I guess, tools like those reliable tools that are available to you always. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, and so, I think. Um, well, yeah. So I was just going to jump in and say, jump. well, for me before the tools comes the warning. So when I know that I'm getting run down or so I've, me and my psychologist, we call it, am I controlling the chaos or is the chaos controlling me? Because I I love love a chaotic life, right? I love a chaotic life and I want five different jobs. I wouldn't have life any other way, but am I controlling it or am I letting it control me? 
So, and when I know that it's controlling me is I don't know where my car keys are. I've left my phone at home. I haven't done the washing in a week. You're wide so and these tired. Kind of, yeah, wide and tired, mm. totally. And then I go, okay, drop back in. What do I need to fix up here? What do I need to cancel? How can I get back in alignment and start getting in charge again? Beautifully said. Balance or alignment, as you as you call it, whatever Word feels suits. W- word suits us exactly. Is it? Uh, you know, it can often feel out of reach. Is it possible? Yeah. Oh, it depends what suits certain people. But I also find if there's other people listening like me, like if I'm quiet, I want to be busy, and if I'm busy, I want to be quiet. <laughs> so you know, I'm, I, I know that I am always grass is always greener, and I know that's how my brain works. So I've got to go. Chance, you don't like it when you're quiet, mate. So you just need to figure out a way, whether it's a day a week, an afternoon a week, just that we, I get my, I can go down to the horse paddock, switch my phone off. No one's going to be calling me or nothing important anyway. You know, that you've got the time to, to be able to switch off and find as long as you can get through the week, not thinking, how am I going to get through next week? Then that's a win. And if you're not, then, then that's the reassess stage. But. It's hard because I live a really ad hoc life to know whether you can have balance or not. But also, like I said, I love a busy life and I've got mates who hate having busy lives. You know, so it's such a personal preference, isn't it? Beautifully said. Some people thrive in the busy and and some Mm -hmm. people, depending on what kind of personality you are, need the, the off switch. As well, I mean, I think we all require an off switch at some point, but everyone's looks different. There's no one size fits all. Yes. And, you know, when you have those chats with your girlfriends and, and I love an honest girlfriend, of course, I said I love mm. honest conversations, but then there's also the, the stay in your lane too. <laughs> you know, like the, if people are putting their values on your values, just because they're your friend, doesn't mean you have to listen to it. You know, if you know what's right for you, then you can just go, well, thanks. Um, Sarah, and you <laughs> know, but I'm however, I actually there. really enjoy this, and and I'm going to keep doing me. But you enjoy you, you enjoy sitting at home and doing nothing. You go, girl. But yeah. I'm going to enjoy being busy, and let's just catch up when we catch up or whatever. Whereas I find, you know, everyone's so opinionated, as, as am I. But I try to keep them to myself on myself. You know, I try not to tell on your other terms. people how to live their life. Yeah, right. Yeah. So you can care and ask, but, you know, I'm solid in what I know and what I want to do. And you're not telling people how to do it for them. You're just exploring and experimenting and living out loud for yourself, and I think that's a a wonderful way to be without having to preach onto others necessarily about how they should do that. But that's a, um, I think that's a learned skill. It's very hard to not be influenced by the people around us and the Mm. friends and the family and and the people we know and trust, and I, I can admit myself that early on in my career, I definitely got pulled into those conversations and other people's point of views because when you don't know yourself. Yes. So I think what you're saying is it's coming from a a place of knowing yourself now and being comfortable in that space. Yeah. Which gives you that choice and freedom to be like, thank you so much and I'll take that, but I won't take that. Yeah. Just that no judgment as well. And don't be offended that they're asking. They care, but, you know, just... Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> There's going to be so much that I will refuse to cut out of this interview. <laughs> what, so good. What? That's I, a win, I, though. I'm not cutting that out. You have a voice of an angel. 
I mean, I think you've you've tapped on some of your tools and what things have, have stood the test of time for you and, and, you know, noting that they might not work for everyone. But what have you found in terms of managing controlling emotions such as anxiety and or depression, you know, when you feel like you're not in control of, of, of your boundaries, you know, you've touched on mindfulness. What, what are the tools for you that have, have stood the test of time? You know, I love a non-negotiable. What are, yeah. your, what are your non-negotiables? Yeah. What do you go back to when, because you said it beautifully, you've, you've identified that you're in the chaos. So you've, mm. you've got to that point where you're like, okay, I've identified that I'm in the chaos, not the calm. What, what tools do you reach for? So like, but first and foremost, I just get myself organized. So I just kind of open my diary and go like as hard as it is at times, what can I cancel? Like what, what do I have to do? What are non-negotiables? And what do I need to, you know, see if I can change or move the date or push it out a little bit further and try and, you know, just get a little bit more balance in my life and create those hard conversations, create space. I like that. Um, But for me, when it comes to emotions and things like that, I really try not to put them on other people, you know, and I I often, and vice versa, if someone's having a bad day, I often think like, oh, well, they're having a bad day because there's something going on with them. Like you don't think about it as yourself, like you might have been the person to trigger them, unfortunately, but that trigger might have been something else that's going on in their life. And I think it's really important to have awareness of that, but then also knowing that within yourself. And I think that comes from the mindfulness because when you're feeling a bit crap and you kind of sit down and I just go, it doesn't matter what I'm feeling, like I just feel the feeling, you know, and that's a part of meditation and mindfulness and just allowing it to pass through you, which is gross, man, because you're just like, oh, man, I just want to like, oh, I just want to punch something or because I'm like more of the aggressive type rather than the crying type. <laughs> but I'm like, and I do have my crying days, don't get me wrong. But, you know, I kind of think, okay, Shani, you're pissed. Like, you know, how do you control your temper? Do I need to go for a walk? Do I need to take 10 deep breaths? Do I need to go for a swim in the ocean? So for me to get grounded, it's either swim in the ocean, riding the horse, or just a really solid kind of 10, 20, half an hour meditation and just shut myself off for the night because I know I get, I still get, and I, I'm unsure, I should ask my psychiatrist, but I'm unsure if it's um, lagged from the depression, but I still get really bad brain fog. And it's really hard not to judge myself in those moments when my brain just doesn't work. Like I just, you know, I can't get organized because I've got ADHD as well. And when you've got that, you just, you can't see processes as clearly as people that don't have it. You see the start and you see the outcome, but you can't figure out the middle. So, you know, I just kind of go, okay, I'm just going to meditate, have some really quiet days, cancel what I can cancel. And then when the fog lifts, then I go, I'm back. And I will tell people, you know, I will go to my boss at school and I'll go, Michael, I'm having a shit one. Like I'm, working my best, but I'm not being forgetful on purpose. Can you please be overcompensating in information that you need to give me because I might have forgotten? You know, I'm really open and honest around that stuff so that he's not just like, God, Shani's away with the fairies today. You know, I need her to do this, this and this. Whereas if I just go into his office and go, hey, mate, you know, I'm really foggy this week. I need your help. And he'll just make sure that I tick off anything that needs to get done. And then he also, you know, will take the pressure off with anything that's not desperate either. So learning how, and same at home. I love that, helping other people's awareness. It's helping other people around you better manage your your situation as well. By having that open and honest conversation, I'm not firing on all cylinders this week. 
you know, so it's, mm. all, it's almost like asking other people what's non-negotiable. Like what can we just focus on at the moment instead yes. of the overwhelm? Instead of having too much. Yeah. Totally. You know, me and my husband are the same. So, you know, I might get home and he's had a big week or I've had a big week and mm. either of us, we were, it took us a little while, we we're five years this year, but um, <laughs> probably Congrats. this probably didn't didn't happen on the first three years, but, you know, we're, <laughs> you we're kind of like, you learn. oh, don't you just, <laughs> 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 so, you know, rather than making him sleep in the separate bedroom, now we just have conversations and it's great. Um, but, you know, I, love that. you know, I can be like, babe, like I've had a really big week. I know that my emotional tolerance is low. So if someone says something at me, then I'll go bang, boom. And I'll just say, hey, like I'm a bit average. I'm actually just going to go down to the horse paddock tonight and just ride the ponies and I'll be back later. And he'll reply, no stress, babe. Dinner will be ready. I'll be in bed and vice versa. So he's like, I've had a shit one. And I'll go, no worries, babe. Do you need me to clean the house? Do you need me to do the washing? Because he works a lot. But what can I do to help you? And then how can you step in and alleviate some pressure off the other person in those moments? But if you're not open about those moments, how can you know sometimes it's hard to read the play? Totally. And we used to, we haven't always been like that. We used to put extra pressure on. Why aren't you talking to me? What are you doing? You know, like, why, do, why don't you want to come out with me and my mates or what, what, what's going on? And then when you actually go, oh, once again, it's not me. They're just going through something right now and they need a break and you flip the coin. It's a game changer. Game changer. That is a game changer. I love We're staying that. married. True. Yeah. Cheers to that. <laughs> well, we're in done. the top fifty. Well, top fifty percent. Ah, for now. Well done. <laughs> yes. For, I love that. For now. <laughs> for now. <laughs> if you play your Nothing's cards forever. right. <laughs> no, it's beautiful. It comes back to that. It's almost like that that talk therapy, but within your own home and within your own relationships Mm. and being able to have those hard discussions, which, like you said earlier, come from a place of being super comfortable in yourself and being able to just put your hand up sometimes and admit that things aren't right. Yes. Yeah. And how do you know they're not right? Like it's often a feeling. I would say I'm trying to break it down a bit, but, you know, often if you've got a feeling that you're not enjoying work or a relationship Mm. or Mm. something, then that's that's a good sign, like that you just need to check in. Doesn't mean that it's wrong. It just means you need to check in and go, why am I feeling? And be brave enough to ask that. Why aren't I feeling this way? And that's kind of my non-negotiable. Like I don't stain things if they're not feeling right for me. I love that. Life's too short. Exactly. Too short. Yeah. Fail be fast. Brave. Move on. Yeah. Ba- yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I love that. So funny. I, I'm, I'm mindful of the fact that we have talked about, you know, there's highs and lows in sport. Mm. And I yes. think we have touched on a lot of the lows that is an interesting and impactful conversation needs to be had because we often focus on the highs. But I would love to finish on a high because I think it's important to, especially now that you are retired, to think back about those positive triumphs and the good times and, and the, the amazing things that sport gave you too. So I would love you to tell us your favourite win or your career highlight or, you know, something that will stay with you forever. Well, I'm very, very fortunate that all of the wins, so I had two World Cups, a Com Games and two premierships in my netball career and they were all equally freaking awesome and this is just going to crack you up 
because one of my favourite wins of all time was when I started playing footy and I was playing VFLW, not AFLW, VFLW, Mm. Mm -hmm. and it was the first year that I was playing footy and all I ever wanted in my life because I wanted to be a footballer growing up but obviously there was no women's footy then was to win a premiership and my first year playing footy we won the VFLW premiership. And I got it. It was amazing. And we went out last night, or last night, that night, and it was wild. And I took my Guernsey off and I made them all sign it because there were like 53 girls in the squad because we had the VFLW team plus the AFLW girls who played as well. And they were like, Shani, why do you want us all to sign it? And I was like, because this is so special, you know. And I just, like, I thought my sporting career was over and to get a second chance with all the learnings is so rare in life and I got the opportunity to do that and I'm so, so grateful and it was just the freaking best. So, yeah, so I have won a football premiership and I keep that <laughs> that jumper up on my wall. I'm in nearly in tears. So oh, good. It was just, yeah, honestly, babe, it was just the best. The, the best. best. Oh. And if anyone knows how to celebrate, it's footy girls. Like you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. I love that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I love we that. We love that. Yeah. So good. But, yeah, I just want to say thank you for what you're doing and, and sharing everyone's mess because together life is a huge mess and I just freaking love it. Like how boring would it be if it was all straight lines and all the rest of it. So the more we share, the more everyone realises they're normal and I think that's been the biggest part of my journey and why I'm so interested in all of this stuff. Oh, and me too. And it is that and I think especially it's it's actually is for anyone and everyone but especially for women like yourself to be able to have a voice and to be able to share and to continue to educate and inspire and or mentor other women, be it at school, be it with a louder and prouder voice, all the networks that you work on as well, it's it's just so important to keep having the conversation. I mm, and, and thank you for saying that. Who or what inspires you the most to keep doing what you're doing? Um, oh, that's a very good question. Do you know what? I think over the years... It like for me, netballer was every netballer before me. You know, I was actually mm. fortunate to be one of the ones that got paid full time in the end. You know, I had a solid four years of a very good sporting wage, and I know the thousands of or hundreds of netballers who played before me that didn't get that opportunity. Paved the way. They paved the way, and I really do fight for them because you want to make it worthwhile. And you know, it's almost just tapping into that, like. I would have loved to have played AFL when I was younger, but I couldn't. So that's what makes me want to do it. And any time you feel like you've been the minority throughout life, like I've never understood that or why that's the case other than it's history. So how do we change that? So for me, I look up to so many people, you know, I even love like, you know, you've obviously got your Brene Browns and your Glennon Doyles and your, like, your quite famous leadership and beautiful Thought leaders. Leaders, absolutely. But then any Australian sports person or especially a sportswoman, like I love seeing all the cricketers at the moment and the WPEL and the fact that Ash Garden is getting paid half a mil to go play cricket. And I'm just like, love yes, it. like this is this is change. And this is, it is. you know, every day. I love, I love seeing me. you post about women's sport on your on yeah. your channels and on your Instagram. And I'm always like, fire emoji. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, but, yeah, you put me on the spot with certain names, but I think there's so many inspirational people out there that it's, it could be anyone that's making change in the community, that's fighting for animals, that's, 
you know, it's, I went to this black cockatoo crisis movie last week because they're becoming endangered at the moment or they're already endangered but they're in real threat of extinction at the moment and it was a filmmaker from WA that just awesome. went, I'm making this movie and showing it around Australia. I'm like, that's inspirational. Like I need to do more. Like I need to do more, you know, <laughs> and that's, that's where I get my motivation from, from people like that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's cool. And it, and it can change and who we're inspired mm. by and who we're influenced and following can continue to change. What's one thing that you would say to an aspiring female athlete or that you do say? Yeah, well, just for me, it's just, it's not an easy journey. And if you really want it, you need to fight for it because there's a lot of people that want to be that aspiring, you know, next next thing in whichever sport it is. But I wasn't, I always say I wasn't always the most skillful, but I always had the best attitude and I always worked harder than the person next to me. And if you can be, but I was always encouraging. So, you know, I'd work harder than the person next to me, but then I would encourage them to work harder too. Um, And if you be that person, coaches notice that, scouts notice that. So yes, get better for yourself, but also be a good leader in helping others around you. And one thing that I didn't learn until later on, like ask people, like if I come out to your school or probably if you go out to a school or to a, you know, an academy or something like that, ask us questions. How did you get there? What were the ups and downs and all the rest of it? Because we're always happy to pay it forward because we know, but I think we forget how much we know through what we've learned in sport. So that's what I love with kids now is just going, you know, keep the balance. Remember, more isn't necessarily better. So being smart in how you're training and not overtraining, especially if you're doing multiple sports and being smart about how you're doing it and have a good support team around you too. Good girl. Sure. Good girl. We we touched on internal dialogue earlier, so I want to circle mm-hmm. back to that. Is there a mantra or something that you used to say to yourself before a big game or a big event, or is it something that you would still say to yourself now, say on a on a hard day when you need a extra oomph? What is that internal dialogue, or how are you speaking to yourself? Is what I'm asking. Well, let's go twofold. So we'll go athlete Shani first. So athlete Shani was all about. I knew that I did the work, right? So, and that was just about leaving no stone unturned. Like I knew that I did my video analysis. I knew that I'd done my, you know, on-court training, my visualisation, my physio, my massage. And because of that, when I went out on court, I used to tell my, look myself in the mirror and say, you've got this because I knew that I did everything that I could. And I think with that motto of leaving no stone unturned, then if you if you fail or you don't succeed or it doesn't go to plan, who cares? Like you still did everything you can. And then by it not going to plan, you then create a new plan because you can figure out what went wrong, but you can't be mad at yourself if you gave it a crack. Whereas you don't want to go into life or do a game or whatever it is, not having a crack because you always think what if, right? So that's my, my athlete. And I still carry that with me in other things. So that's obviously why I went to football because what if, what if, what if I do, you know, have that inquisitive rather than that scared mind is always good. And now for me, it's just about balance. Like what do I, and I said this earlier in the pod, but what do I want? Because, you know, I can do a bit of media, I can work at a school, I can do netball clinics, um, I can run an academy. Like there's a number of, I'm very fortunate to have, you know, a, a buffet of different jobs that I could do. But if I do all of them, I'm not doing any of them well. So now I'm focusing on, well, what do I want to do and what is most important to me and how, like, if I do something else, is that taking away from that one thing that I want to be good at? So, 
you know, if you're focusing on exams or a job or something like that and all your mates are like, let's go out, and you're like, well, that's not for me tonight or maybe it is, I don't know. But, mm. but you need to have that checklist for yourself about is this good for me or is it not? And I've got my own checklist but and everyone's would obviously be individual. I love that. Shans, you know I could talk to you all day. I could, day. I, I just adore you. But something I do with all my guests is to finish with a forced pause. So if we were to drop in and take a beat right now, as, mm-hmm. as you would say, or a, a forced pause of, of a moment of mindfulness, where we, we obviously focus our awareness and our attention on what we're sensing and feeling in this very moment, I was wondering if you would be kind enough to share yours with me. What I'm dropping into. Oh, okay. Can I drop into it first? Please. Take a moment. Okay. All right. Just give me a moment. So first of all, I'm very grateful for doing this podcast today, for helping me drop in today. Because <laughs> <laughs> I may not have otherwise. I'm That's not, why I said it's forced, you know, but it's not, sometimes. But it works. Oh, it's so good. My husband just got back from work today. So he works away and I'm very grateful that he's home. Like I, I love just that. love it when he gets home because I miss him a lot when he's away. And I'm pretty exhausted today. Like I'm a bit worn out. I had a full day at school with lots of little kiddies. We had junior school day, so that's prep to year six. And just to go, okay, I can switch off tonight. Like once I turn the computer screen off, I'm just going to give myself a quiet night and, um, yeah, and just chill out because that's what I need. That's definitely what I need right now. Love that. I love that. Yeah. You even feel yeah. calmer. I feel calmer. I do. I know. Isn't it crazy how one second of just <sighs> a big breath, putting the kind of thoughts, not thoughts away, but just closing your thinking mind down for a bit. It's just the best. A mini reset, a mini volume. Mm turning the dial down just a tad. Yeah. Shani, it's always, it's so hilarious. It's an absolute joy talking to you always. I'm so grateful for you. I am grateful for your honesty, your full tank of energy that you always bring, no matter what, even when you've had a long day, a long, long day working with 300 kids today. I don't know how you do it. You are so raw. You are so comfortable in your own skin and authentic. I adore you. Thank you for joining me on The Mindful Mess. Thank you, Premi, or vice versa. You're amazing. Thanks so much for joining me. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Mindful Mess. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe and share from your favourite podcast platform. Mindful Mess is proudly sponsored by Medibank. You're only human, and what an incredible human you are.